0: And this morning, we're gonna talk about that the, the truth that the Holy Spirit gives us gifts. And the Holy Spirit gives gifts to the church through the church. Can you say that with me? To the church through the church. The Holy Spirit gives gifts. How many of you like getting a gift? How many of you, honestly, you love giving gifts more than getting gifts? You get so much joy out of giving gifts. You know, on Father's Day, my girls were trying to figure out what kind of gift are they going to give me with my money, of course, because they don't have their own money. But how are they going to spend my money to give me a gift? And, and they're very thoughtful. My, I have three daughters. They're very thoughtful. My youngest daughter, Madeline, who's five, her favorite thing right now in the world are these toys called LOL Surprise Dolls. If you're a parent, you know what it is, it's a little plastic ball that comes wrapped with a toy inside it. You don't know what it is until you open it. I think it's like, the, somebody brilliant came up with this and thought, Who, some, people are gonna pay money for things they don't know what they're getting until they actually have paid for it. But people pay money for these things and she loves these LOL surprise dolls. They're her favorite thing in the whole world. And so on Father's Day, when Aaron said, Maddie, what do you wanna get daddy for Father's Day? She said, I wanna get him an LOL surprise doll. She's very smart. She's very smart. She knew she, would, she knew it would end up back in her hands. We love gifts. And the Holy Spirit, listen, the Holy Spirit loves to give us gifts. And the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives are good. And he gives gifts to us. But the way he gives gifts to us is that he gives gifts through us. And so this morning, we're going to look at what the Apostle Paul wrote about the spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us. And Paul is a man who started churches all over the known world back after Jesus lived. And Paul had traveled to a city called Corinth, where he had helped the church begin. He spent 18 months with this church, helping it kind of grow, and then he left. And after he left, a lot of things happened, and the church was actually having a lot of problems. And they sent Paul a letter with lots of questions. And Paul wrote a letter back to answer their questions, and that's what we have in the Bible. It's 1 Corinthians. So I want to read to you this morning from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 from the NLT translation. It'll be on the screen for you. Paul says, Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, those are spiritual gifts, I don't want you to misunderstand this. I don't want you to be ignorant. Verse 2, You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are, all, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. Paul is talking about the unity of the Godhead right now. It's the many gifts, but the same spirit. Verse uh, 5, he says, there are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. So you might serve Jesus differently than I serve Jesus, but we all serve Jesus. Verse 6, God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Two important truths we learn in verse seven. Every single one of you has a spiritual gift that the Spirit has given you. You may not be aware of it, you may not know it, but you have a special ability that God has given you. It might be the gift of encouragement, it might be the gift of service, it might be the gift of having a listening ear, it might be the gift of faith, it might be the gift of praying for people to be healed. There's all sorts of gifts that we get. Not One gift is not more important than the other. It's the Spirit who gives the gifts and why does he give them according to verse seven? So that we can platform ourselves, so that we can be seen, so that we can get famous, So that people know how spiritual we are? No, so that we can help others. Verse 8, to one person, the Spirit... Now, Paul begins to give a list of some of what we call the manifestation gifts. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The Spirit helps us know things we wouldn't otherwise know. Number 9, the same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the the, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still, another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. Now look at verse 11. because This is important. It is, Paul is summarizing everything he just said to us. Verse 11. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. Parents, you don't get to decide what spiritual gift your children have. Someone can pray over you till they're blue in the face. It's not their choice what spiritual gift you have. I cannot give you the spiritual gifts I have. Why? Because the Spirit alone decides what spiritual gift you're going to have. Now, there's other gifts in the Scripture, and I'm not gonna read them, but in Ephesians 4, 4 1 Peter 4, Romans 12, we read about other gifts that God gives us. But in 1 Corinthians 12, These are the manifestation gifts. And I want us to look at these gifts together this morning, and the big question is this before us. If we agree, hopefully we do, that the Spirit gives gifts to the church through the church, here's the question. What might that look like when we come together like this? What should it look like on Sunday mornings as we exercise and use our spiritual gifts before service, during service, and after service? And Paul knew that the church at Corinth was really wrestling with it, and they were a mess. They were getting it wrong. And so he wrote them some very helpful instructions in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. We're going to look at that this morning, and I want to, I want to help you understand how we're going to approach this text this morning. I, I created a, graph, a graphic that might help us understand. At the center of everything that we believe here at Trinity is the Scripture, right? So we start with the Bible, but then as we begin to interpret the Bible, what do we come to? We come to the next circle, which is principles. What are the timeless principles that are always true in every culture and in every time in history? Once we move beyond principles, our principles begin to inform our practice. So here's some principles about the gifts. How do we practice the gifts? And then the last circle, the most outer circle is the word preference because some of us might have different preferences with how the gifts are practiced based on the principles. Now, this is super important that you understand this. As we move from the inner circle to the outer circle, as the arrow kind of goes out from there, what we're gonna learn is this. Go ahead and skip to that next slide. As we move outward, there is more room for different and differing thoughts and opinions. The further you move from Scripture and the more you start to move towards preferences, the more room I think there is within the body of Christ to say, I I think this and I think that, and it's okay, right? But when it comes to the principles, we have to agree on these. And so this morning, what I want to do is we look at 1 Corinthians 14, I want to share with you what I think are the four timeless principles that Paul gives the church about how we should exercise these spiritual gifts when we gather. And the first one is this. I'm going to present them to you in the form of greater than statements. First one is this. Paul teaches clearly order is greater than chaos. Order is greater than chaos. And I want to start actually at the end of 1 Corinthians 14, where Paul gives us a summary statement for everything he teaches. Look at this in verse 37. He says, It'll be on the screen. If you claim to be a prophet or think you are spiritual, you should recognize that what I am saying is a command from the Lord himself. Paul knew that some people in Corinth thought they were spiritual and thought they were prophets and they were not going to receive his teaching. And Paul was saying, if you think that you hear from God, then you should know that this is God speaking to you. So if you think you're prophetic and you think you're spiritual, but you can't receive authority and teaching from leaders in your life, then there's a problem with the gift, and he says this, verse 38, if you do not recognize this, you, you yourself will not be recognized. This is very powerful what Paul is saying. He's saying you are disqualifying yourself from using the gifts because you will not be taught and under authority. Verse 39, so my dear brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and don't forbid speaking in tongues. It's very important for us to realize that Paul, although he gives lots of instruction and restrictions and limitations and direction on how to use the gifts, Please notice up front Paul never says stop using the gifts. Paul is for the gifts of the spirit. I as your pastor, I am for the gifts of the spirit. The church is for the gifts of the spirit. We want to see the spirit, we want to see the gifts of the spirit released when we gather, but here's the other thing we want to see. We want to see them received. And sometimes they're released in a way that prevents people from being able to receive them. And we need to look at that. Verse 40, here's Paul's summary sentence. Be sure that everything is done properly. And in order. Paul is saying, when you gather and when you release the spiritual gifts, order is greater than chaos. This church in Corinth, Corinth, it was chaotic. It was out of order. When they would gather, things were crazy and it didn't glorify God. Now they were very different from us. They didn't gather like we gathered this morning in a room like this, sitting in rows, somebody with a microphone in their hand, all mingled and seated together. The church at Corinth, just to give you kind of a snapshot of what it looked like when they got together on Sunday mornings, they always met in homes. At this point in history, they weren't meeting in what we would call church building. They met in someone's home, usually a wealthier convert who had room in their home, and they would meet in their largest room or in their lobby area. And at the most, there'd be 50 to 60 people so, at our church, there's already five, six times too many people compared to the size of the church back in Corinth. 50 to 60 people would gather. They would sit in one room and they wouldn't sit in rows. They would sit around the edges of the room on benches in a synagogue style of learning. And the men would sit on one side and the women would sit on the other side. And they would take turns sharing different teachings. And, and the person who was sharing would stand in the middle of the room, or often actually, the person who was teaching would sit in them, would sit on a chair because the teacher would be seated. So, it was, it was just a different dynamic. Corinth, uh, these were Gentile converts, so these are people who did not grow up understanding the Jewish scriptures, and most of them were converted to Jesus, not out of Judaism, they were converted to Jesus out of paganism, where they believed in many gods, and they they pursued many mystical, strange experiences. The pagan religions back then believed in prophecy, they had false prophets who would give false prophecies. So when Paul talked about prophecy, they understood that, they could connect with it. But when Paul talked about speaking in tongues, which I preached about last week, so if that's new to you, strange to you, it would be worth listening to that message. When Paul talked about that, that was something new. That was relatively unique. So here's what was happening. The Corinthians were getting saved. They were getting these spiritual gifts, and they thought that tongues was the most spiritual gift of them all because it was the most mystical gift of them all, because it was in an unknown language. And so the church at Corinth, they valued tongues more than they valued the other spiritual gifts. And they actually would wear their ability to speak in tongues like a badge on their chest. And when they would gather, they would try to prove their spirituality by speaking in tongues out loud. And it was creating confusion, disorder, and chaos. And Paul was saying, you're out of order, and order is greater than chaos. What's amazing here, I think, that we can't miss is this. Paul is saying that the gifts of the Spirit, as wonderful and important as they are, they can help the Gospel, but they can also hinder the gospel. If they're used properly and in order, they can help the gospel, and if they're used improperly and out of order, they can hinder and hurt the work of the gospel. Paul calls calls for order because order is in the very nature of our God, our God is a God of order, not a God of chaos. Whenever God shows up on the scene, he brings order out of chaos. In Genesis one, God speaks life and there's order in creation. God from the beginning, before the foundations of the earth were laid, according to Revelation thirteen eight, he already had a plan for the lamb to be slain, for Jesus to give his life for us. God is a planner. God's into details. How many of you are detail-oriented people? You like details. All right, I got work for you to do this week in my office. I got, I got work. God's into details. Have you ever had to read, Have you ever been reading through the Old Testament and you get to a passage where he's giving them instructions on how to build the temple, and you're like, Why do I need to know how how many cubits that piece of wood need to be, or what kind of material that cloth? Why is it there? Because God's into details. God's into organization and leadership and administration. In fact, Paul says that leadership and administration is in itself a spiritual gift. So God is into order. So when we gather together on Sunday mornings, here's the principle: there should be order, and not chaos. The second principle that we learn from Paul is this, contributor is greater than consumer. Being a contributor is greater than being a consumer. We are a consumeristic society, right? We go to movies, sporting events, and concerts, and what do we do? We consume entertainment. We travel and we go places and we consume experiences. We go out to restaurants and we consume food and drink. We shop in stores or Amazon online and we consume more and more product. and Uh, We sit at home on our couches and we watch the news and we consume information. Or we watch our favorite shows and we consume stories. Or if you're like me, you watch the Food Network and you consume shows about people consuming food that you want to consume someday. (laughs) All day and all night, we consume stuff on our phones and our computers. We are consumers. And then we wake up on Sunday morning and we walk into church. And it's so hard not to bring that same mentality into here that I'm a consumer I'm here to get something for myself and I hope it's good this morning because if I get it, it was a good morning at church. And and Paul is saying, when you gather together, don't come thinking about yourself, come thinking about others. Don't come as a consumer, come as a contributor. Let me show you where he says it. Verse 26. He says, well, my brothers and sisters, and it's important, by the way, that Paul says brothers and sisters because he's teaching us here, despite some confusion about what Paul meant in different places in his other writings, Paul expected women and men to come ready to contribute and to speak and to share. My brothers and sisters, let's summarize. When you meet together, one of you bring a song. One of you will sing. Now, if that's not your gift, please don't be the person that does that. (laughs) Another will teach. Another will have some special revelation God has given. One will speak in tongues, and another will interpret what is said. Paul could have gone on and on here. He could have said, one of you will encourage your friend. One of you will be a good listener. One of you will speak wisdom. One of you will speak truth. He's, He's just giving a snapshot. But everything must be done to strengthen all of you. See, gathering as a church is not a spectator sport. August 16th, our church is gathering together at Syracuse Mets uh, for a tailgate party, a church tailgate party, we're gonna go to the game. Imagine the shock if you were sitting there in the first inning watching the game and the coach ran up into the stands and grabbed you by the shoulders and said, we need you to pitch the next inning. We need. You would've been like, no, 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 I'm a spectator. Like, I'm here to watch. When we come to church, you're not sitting in the stands. You're sitting in the dugout. You're ready to go. You're on the field and you're asking God, how can I contribute this morning? Now, I actually wrote down a list of questions that I think consumers ask versus a list of questions that I think contributors ask. I'm gonna read them to you. It's not meant to be hard on you. I I just want you to hear that if you only ask the consumer questions, then God wants to move you from being a consumer to a contributor. Ready, here's the questions consumers ask on Sunday mornings. What did I get out of the service this morning? Did I like the music? Did I like the band? Was the lighting good? Was the temperature fine in there? How was the preaching? Was I moved today? Did I feel something? Was this a funny message? Was it interesting? Did it hold my interest? Does this church offer programs for me and for my family? Is the pastor readily and quickly available for me anytime I need him or her? Did enough people greet me? Are there enough events to keep me busy and keep my kids out of trouble? How was the breakfast spread? Or for some of you, the most important question, how was the coffee? How was the coffee? Those aren't necessarily terrible questions, but if they're the only questions you ask, then you have to revisit your motivation for gathering, not to be a consumer, but to be a contributor. Here's some questions that contributors ask when they walk in on Sunday. Who's new? Who don't I recognize? Who can I introduce myself to? Who can I help feel at home? Where can I serve today? What needs are there? Who can I connect with? Who this morning needs a friend, a conversation, a prayer, a hug? What can I be praying for as the service is beginning? What am I going to give of myself this morning, whether it's in the offering, whether it's of your time, whether it's of your talent? What has the Spirit been saying to me this week? What is the Spirit saying to me this morning that might strengthen and serve others? Not just in the context of standing up and speaking from a stage or speaking out loud from your seats, but even in conversation with other people. Come to church on Sunday morning ready to share encouraging truths about God's words with your friends as you talk with them before and after service. How can I lay down my preferences this morning so that someone else can be served? See, Paul teaches us in Ephesians four that God gave us the gifts of apostles, prophets, uh, evangelists, pastor, teacher. Why, so they can do all the ministry? No, that's a mistake. We've professionalized ministry to the point where people think the professionals do the ministry and everybody else just shows up for the show. And it better be good this week, Pastor. It better be good. Paul says, Jesus gave us those gifts so that those individuals could equip the body for the work of ministry. So mine, Pastor Jason, Pastor Unhi, Pastor Vicki, our primary responsibility is to actually equip you by God's grace to do the work of ministry and not even just in the church building, but in every arena of your life. We're contributors, we're not consumers. All right, third principle this morning that we learned from 1 Corinthians 14. When it comes to the spiritual gifts, others' good is greater than my gift. Others' good, that apostrophe is important. The good of others is greater than my gift, See, sometimes when people hear a message about spiritual gifts and maybe you feel like you have a spiritual gift or you've exercised a spiritual gift of prophecy or tongues interpretation or faith or healing or miracles, some of these manifestation gifts that Paul writes about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, some people say things like this. Maybe they don't say it out loud, but they think this in their heart. I don't care what other people think about my gift. It's my gift. I'm going to exercise it when I want, how I want, to who I want, and anyone who says otherwise is quenching the Spirit and ruining my gift. Telling us to consider other people in the way that we share our gift is quenching the spirit. If other people think I'm weird, strange, the way I talk is scary or off-putting, well, that's their problem. And Paul makes it really clear here in 1 Corinthians 14, actually, that's your problem. We're not just a community of people who can release gifts. We need to be a community of people who help others receive the gifts. And Paul says here in 1 Corinthians 14, 23, he says, even if unbelievers and, and people who don't understand these things, if they come into your church meeting and they hear everyone speaking an unknown language, this is what was happening back then. Visitors were walking in. Some of you are visitors this morning. If you walked in this morning and we were all speaking in strange languages all at the same time, you wouldn't be sitting here anymore. You'd already be in your car down the road at Cracker Barrel enjoying some pecan pancakes or something, right? You'd be long gone. And Paul is saying, you have to consider the unbeliever in your midst when you gather. Now, for some people think, no, that's quenching the spirit to think about them. Just think about what the spirit is saying. But the spirit is saying, I want to draw all people to me. I want to lift up Jesus. I want my gifts to not just be released, but to be received. And so how do we consider? And Paul says, if they hear that, everybody's speaking an unknown language, verse 23, they will think you're crazy. They're going to go out of there. But he goes on to say, I'm not going to read it for the sake of time. He goes on to say, but if they understand and can receive the gift, then it actually has the power to lay bare the secrets of their hearts and to cause them to cry out, God is in this place. Listen, if the spiritual gifts are being used the way that Paul talks about them, they actually have the power to help people realize that the very presence of God is at work in this place. Even if they've never been in church their entire lives, they'll walk in and go, I don't understand everything that just happened, but something real is going on in this place. And if unbelievers and visitors aren't experiencing that, then we have to re-examine the way that we're exercising the gifts. Paul is saying, I don't want you to, want you to stop using your gifts, I want you to use your gifts in a way that's in step with the Spirit and considerate of other people. Paul in verse 18 says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than any of you. But look at what he says in 19. But in a church meeting, which is what we're at this morning, I would rather speak five, I'll, I'll put it in our terms today, I would rather speak five words in English to help the people that are here, than 10,000 words in tongues. Why? Because tongues just edifies yourself, unless it's interpreted. It has to be interpreted otherwise. But prophecy in English, in the known language, it has the ability to help and strengthen others. And that's why Paul's bringing so much emphasis to prophecy here. Not because prophecy is a greater gift than the other gifts, but because in this church, they thought prophecy was a lesser gift than speaking in tongues. Paul's saying, no, 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 prophecy is actually more useful when you gather because it's not, people can hear it and receive it and understand it. Well, what is prophecy? Is prophecy like, maybe you think of like going to someone who tells your future or cracking open a Chinese fortune cookie. Like, what is prophecy? Prophecy is declaring the word of God. It's the spirit helping us to declare the word of God. Sometimes it's preaching. Preaching should be prophetic because it's the word of God being preached and declared. Sometimes, so that's that's forth telling. Sometimes it's forth telling. It's teaching and preaching. Sometimes it's foretelling. Sometimes God reveals things to people so that they know what he's going to do. And he shares it with his people so that we can understand his character, his heart. And sometimes God speaks to us that way. Here's another thing about prophecy. It's not equal with scripture. Prophecy is not on par with scripture. Prophecy has to be tested by scripture. All prophecy has to be tested. Why? Because God doesn't send the right message? No, because the messengers aren't perfect. The revelation is infallible. The releaser of the gift is fallible. I'm fallible, you're fallible. And that's why Paul says every gift has to be Tested. So don't ever say, nobody can question my gift or what I had to say because that was God speaking through me. You're not reading the text. We always have to test the gift. Prophecy has to exalt God, edify and encourage the body, and it must be intelligible even to a visitor. Now listen, there's no indication in scripture that prophecy has to be a certain tone at a certain volume. In old fancy King James language, it can be, but it doesn't have to be. Paul never says this is when you should do it, between the second and third song, that's your spot, go for it, right? (laughs) Paul doesn't do that. Of course, they didn't do that back then, so it wouldn't even have made sense for that instructions. Paul doesn't say louder is more spiritual. He doesn't say more intense means it's from God. He doesn't say any of that. What is clear is that every spiritual gift, prophecy included, must be used to serve others and never to serve yourself. As soon as I as your pastor have an indicator in my heart or a check in my spirit that your gift is more about you than it is about strengthening the body, we'll have a conversation. We'll have a private conversation about how I can help you grow in that way. All right, can I get to our, our, well, let's get to our last principle this morning. Paul teaches us here that when it comes to using the gifts when we gather, clarity is greater than spontaneity. Clarity is greater than spontaneity. Sometimes in our circles, we think the more spontaneous something is, the more spiritual it is. And sometimes God does things spontaneously. Sometimes prophecy is a spontaneous revelation of God. But spontaneity is not inherently more spiritual than not. Clarity is what Paul's after here. And Paul here, in verse 6, he says, Dear brothers and sisters, if I come to you speaking in an unknown language, how would that help you? But if I bring you a revelation or some knowledge of prophecy or teaching... That will be helpful. And then he uses this example of of instruments. He says, even lifeless instruments like the flute or the harp, they have to play their notes clearly or no one will recognize the melody. Basically, if the flute's not playing the right tune, no one knows what they're listening to. And then he changes the metaphor a little bit. He says, "If, if the bugler doesn't sound a clear call... How will the soldiers know they're being called to battle? What is Paul making a case for? He's making a case for clarity. The people need to know what's being said and for what purpose it's being said. And he says in verse 9, it's the same for you. If you speak to people in words that they don't understand, how will they know what you're saying? You might as well be talking into empty space. You're wasting everybody's time. Verse 12, and the same is true for you. Since you are so eager to have the special abilities the Spirit gives... Seek the ones that will strengthen the whole church. Paul says some spiritual gifts strengthen the church more than others. doesn't mean they're more important than others. It just means there's different contexts and different times to use different spiritual gifts. At this point, maybe you're you're thinking, yes, but hold on, Pastor Dave. Isn't the gift spontaneous? You're saying clarity over spontaneity, but isn't the gift spontaneous? And the answer is yes and no. Let me explain. The revelation sometimes is spontaneous. It doesn't have to be. God might have spoken something to you earlier in the week and he's given it to you to share. The revelation sometimes is spontaneous, but listen very carefully to this. The release of the revelation is never spontaneous. And this is what I mean. Paul teaches us very clearly that when somebody exercises a spiritual gift, listen, they choose to exercise their spiritual gift. You are not possessed. Your eyes do not roll back in your head. The Spirit of God does not take you over and lift you in the air, and you begin to prophesy. And if that happens, we're going to probably take you out of the room and deal with you somewhere else in the building. That's not the Spirit of God. That might be a different spirit, but it's not the Spirit of God. How do we know this? Because sometimes we get this sense of, like, when somebody prophesies, they couldn't have helped themselves. Some people say this, I couldn't help myself. I had to say it then. Here's what Paul says about that in verse 32. Scripture is more important than your experience. Agreed? Verse 32. Remember that people who prophesy are in control of their spirit and can take turns. Other translations say it this way. The spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. Now, you might feel like you can't control it because it's such a burning in you. I understand that, but you ultimately do decide when to release the gift. So there are people who can say, I felt like God was saying something through me or to me but I didn't release it and, I'm, and here's here's some of the reasons why sometimes people say to me I didn't share what I thought God was sharing with me sometimes they say this to me I didn't know if it was just for me or if it was just or was for everybody that's good discernment you got to wait and listen God are you speaking the spirit should be speaking to all of us all of the time so it's not a matter of holding a gift it's a matter of when do I release what I'm hearing so is it for you Or is it for everybody? How do you know if it's for everybody? Well, there's a couple of things. It will fit with the flow of the service. It will fit with what's being said. It will contribute to, and it will align with what God is doing. It will not take us in a totally different direction. It will be based on Scripture. Some people say, I I didn't feel like it was the right time. It didn't fit the direction. Some people say, "Um, I held that word, so to speak, or I didn't share that because I felt like I wanted to give other people space, maybe somebody else the opportunity to. Whatever it is, the prophet The person using the spiritual gift always is in control, never out of control, always in control, and chooses when and how to release the gift. And Paul says, clarity is greater than spontaneity. All right, let me finish. Um, Those are our four principles. Let me go back to the the graphic that I showed you earlier. So we have the Bible. We started with the scripture, 1 Corinthians 14. Four timeless principles, and these are things that I think are clear from the text. Order is greater than chaos. Being a contributor is greater than being a consumer. Others' good is greater than my gift, and clarity is greater than spontaneity. Now let's talk about these outer circles. Remember, as we move out, we can differ a little more from each other. Practice. So if those are the principles, how do we practice the gifts uh, at Trinity? And the first thing I wanna say is this. When it comes to practicing the spiritual gifts, never violate the principles, right? So for example, if someone else is already speaking, you should not speak, because that's out of order. Paul says very clearly, take your turn. Do not start when somebody else is already talking. So if the worship leader is speaking into the microphone and giving some instruction or encouragement to the room, nobody at that point should then speak out and say something. That is biblically out of order. Another practice is this. Anytime someone speaks out loud in the church service in tongues that's loud enough for people around them to hear it, it has to be interpreted. Otherwise, it's out of order and it's not useful for the edification of the body. And here's another thing. Anytime a gift is used that contradicts Scripture, it's out of order. No doubt about it. And I would actually confront it from the front of the room if something was said that confronted Scripture. Sometimes people say things that aren't out of order. They don't confront Scripture. But maybe I feel like it needed a little, they need a little direction. I might have a private conversation with them. I would not publicly address that. I would privately address that. So, so um, there's a pastor in Allison Park, Pennsylvania named Jeff Leak. He pastors a, a large Assemblies of God church. And he talks a lot about the practice of using the spiritual gifts. He's in a large church with a large room where it's just not practical for people to stand up and speak out because then 90% of the room can't even hear them, which automatically means it's out of order because if only a couple people can hear it, not everybody can hear it. It's a problem. And so he's helped them move from a model of what he would call interruptive, which I don't like the term because it seems negative. I don't think it's negative, but what he means is from the seats— Unidentified, you don't know who the person is unless you already personally know the person, and it's affirmed and explained by the pastor after the gift has been used. How many of you are familiar with that model? You've been around it? Everybody who's been in Trinity should have their hand up. I mean, you've all, you've all been around it. How many of you have been blessed by that model of the reason God has spoken to you? So the model is good, it's not bad. However, listen very carefully, it's not sacred because it's not taught in scripture that that's how it has to happen. So it's good and it's useful, but it's not sacred. Sometimes contextualizing the gifts causes us to think in other ways. So here's what he has done. He's moved from this model of from the seats, unidentified, affirmed and explained afterwards, to what he calls inclusive, from the stage, introduced, affirmed and explained beforehand. A couple months ago, this actually happened. One of the leaders in our church, Ralph DeMarzo, who has a spiritual gift sometimes to speak out, he came up to me at the front row. I was, I was sitting right here during singing time. He came up to me. and he said, I feel like God's given me something to say, and as you're my pastor, I just want to let you know so that you can choose when and how you want me to share this gift, right? And I appreciate that. I think, that's a, I think that's very useful. And so later in the service, I called him up. I said, um, I said, one of our church leaders, Ralph DeMarzo, who I know, and many of you know, God's given him a spiritual gift to share some of, his, some of God's truth, and God was speaking to him earlier during the service, and I want him to share it now with the body, and I hand him the microphone. Now what happens in that moment? I think what happens is this. First off, the whole room can actually receive the gift a little bit better, because first off, you can hear it very clearly, it's being spoken through a microphone. Secondly, you already know that your leadership affirms and agrees with this person speaking out. You've probably been in services sometime where somebody speaks out and you're wondering, is everybody okay with that? Is the pastor okay with that? And so. I can do it afterwards, and I will continue to do it afterwards if the gifts come from the seat. But I also want you to know, especially those of you that are introverts that think, I would never speak out from the seats. I want you to know that there's another way you can release your gift. You can, you can send me a text. You can write me a note. You can come to the front. You can talk to me, Pastor Jason, Pastor Vicky, Pastor Unhee, and you can say, God's given me something to share, and I want to share it. Listen, you can hold the gift. Paul taught us that clearly. You can hold the word until the right time to release it. So that's one way of releasing the gift. Here's my preference, and then I'll close. And actually, Tony, if you want to come start the water. So you're going to have to listen to me over the water, but we got water baptisms. Here's some of my preferences as your pastor. On Sunday mornings, I envision this environment as a come and see Jesus environment. This is the environment that we want to invite people to come and see Jesus. And one of my preferences is this. I want you to hear my heart. That the Sunday morning gathering would be a safe Welcoming environment for everybody and anybody, no matter where they're at in their faith. And by the way, if you don't care about that, if that doesn't mean anything to you, then it's possible, and this is going to sound harsh, but I'm just going to say it anyway it's possible you're not inviting people. It's possible you've never brought anybody here. As soon as you bring somebody here that you've been investing your life into, that you've been telling about Jesus, that you've been praying for, whether it's a friend, a neighbor, a coworker, a family, first time you bring them here, guess what? You're gonna care a lot about what the environment in this room feels like, a lot. It changes the way you look at everything. And so, if you don't have a heart for what I'm saying right now, you're like, I don't really care, I don't, think it should, I don't think we should think about other people, I think we should just go for it and let things happen, then I'll, here's my challenge to you, start inviting people to church. I think God will use that to change your heart. We want a safe, welcoming environment. We want a place where people walk in here and things make sense to them and they can receive things well. You know, what other public environment isn't normative and safe for people to yell out from the room? There's not many. Most places, if somebody's yelling from their seat, they're angry, they're upset about something. And, and candidly, in the world that we live in today, if you're in a public gathering and someone starts yelling out in a language that you don't know, there's a lot of fear that comes along with that. There's a lot of chaos with that. And Paul actually says in here that the sign of tongues to the unbeliever is a sign of destruction, actually, because he quotes an Old Testament passage. He says, this is a sign of destruction and chaos and confusion and fear. This is not a thing that's actually in many ways going to help them, unless, of course, it's interpreted. I want the gifts to be shared in a way that can be heard and received by everyone. And also, here's, the other, here's my other heart as your pastor. I want more people using their gifts, I think every single person in this room has a spiritual gift, and I think more people start, need to start using their spiritual gift if we're gonna mature into the body of Christ, if we're gonna be who God wants us to be. So, so for some of you, that's the gift of helps, the gift of serving, the gift of teaching, the gift of encouragement, but some of you have a gift of prophecy, a gift of word of knowledge, a gift of word of wisdom, and you never used it, and I wanna, as your pastor, I wanna help you step into that. I wanna help you use that. I wanna create a place where we use the gifts in a way that are well-received by the people that are here, and I wanna platform the gifts so that people can see them and celebrate them and we can receive them well. I believe that the Spirit gives gifts to the church through the church. And I believe that Paul here provides us with some really helpful principles on what that might look like when we gather together. And it's a conversation that as a church leadership and as a church we'll continue to wrestle with and we'll ask God, how do you want to speak to us and through us when we gather together? There's many wonderful ways that he does it and we're thankful for them all. Let's pray together this morning.